Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 27. In the Beginning. Again. It is hard to pinpoint accurately the beginnings of the rise of an ancient society. When we have to look back to the time before there were written records, we can never be entirely sure about beginnings, but we must start somewhere. When we look at the development of Greek civilization, we can detect its origins in a period called the Bronze Age. The Bronze Age is called the Bronze Age because the people of the era used an alloy of the metals copper and tin to make tools and weapons. This alloy is called bronze. People of the Bronze Age developed the technology needed to smelt metal, that is to melt it down and remove impurities. They then formed it into useful shapes like cooking pans, spear tips or digging implements. Bronze was the main metal used because copper and tin were readily available. Iron was also used, but it was not as easy to extract or smelt. When people learned to use iron more effectively, they entered what we now know as the Iron Age. The ancient Greek civilization developed in the Bronze Age and moved into the Iron Age before the rise of the city-states. Most of what we have discovered about the ancient Greeks before the time of Homer is known from archaeology. Archaeology is the study of humans and their activities through the finding and analysing of things that they left behind. These things may be buildings, ruins or foundations, they may be pieces of pottery, pans or spear tips, they may be coins or tablets of writing. Archaeologists have even worked out what some ancient peoples ate by examining fossilised poo. Anything left behind by humans can be used to work out how they lived their lives. This is what archaeologists do. The story of the earliest part of the history of ancient Greece is as much the story of two Victorian-era archaeologists as it is of the Greeks themselves. When we look back far into the past and examine ancient civilizations, we also need to think about what civilizations really are. Why are they so different from what came before? There are many different and complicated answers to this question, but let's take a very simple one. We will take this simple answer because it works. Before civilization, men and women did things for themselves. Even though they often lived in tribes, they were responsible for their own food. Each family grew its food, or sometimes a few men went hunting together and brought back meat for the families. Everyone in the tribe contributed to the gathering of food or the looking after of children. All this changed. When the people built and lived in cities, they couldn't all be responsible for food. There were builders who built the walls and the buildings. There were farmers who grew the food. There were metal workers who made metal items. Soon there were other jobs. Priests who looked after the worship of gods. Governors who looked after how the city was managed. People had different jobs and needed each other in order to live. Every person was not only looking after his own family, but a part of life for the whole city. And somebody else was responsible for providing the food to feed him. This is civilization. OK. Back to the Bronze Age Greeks. The first known civilization in what we now know as Greece rose on the island of Crete. It was discovered in the early 1900s by an archaeologist called Sir Arthur Evans. Because Sir Arthur discovered the evidence of this ancient society, he got to give it a name. What do you think he decided to call it? Well, who was the ancient king of Crete according to Greek myths? Yes, King Minos. The civilization was named the Minoans, and that is how we know it today. We don't know what they called themselves, 
but we do know that they were known about by the ancient Egyptians and other local civilizations. Sir Arthur began his excavations on Crete because he wanted to find the palace of King Minos. He was trying to prove the mythical king really had existed. He was convinced that he'd succeeded when he discovered the remains of a large palace at a place called Knossos. He also discovered palaces at a few other sites on Crete. The palace at Knossos, though, was much bigger and much grander than the other palaces, and this is where the king of the island lived. Evans also discovered that the Minoan palaces were built and destroyed three times. The earliest palaces were built sometime around the year 2000 BC and remained standing for 300 years. The palaces were destroyed around 1700 BC by a large earthquake, but were soon rebuilt in the same style and lasted another 300 years before being destroyed when Crete was invaded by another Greek people, who we will learn about in a little while. So, what was life like for the Minoans? All of our evidence comes from what archaeologists have found. We have nothing written down describing the history of these people. The Minoans had no coins, but traded goods with each other. The palaces were used not just as houses for the kings and nobles, but also as places to trade. The ordinary people lived in small townhouses made out of mud brick, with some stones and timbers helping to hold them together. The pottery of the Minoans shows pictures of animals and birds, and also nautical themes, showing they knew a lot about the sea and used it in their lives. There are pictures of octopi and fish. These sea creatures were probably caught and eaten by the Minoans. The Minoans knew about their neighbouring civilizations and traded with them. Minoan pottery has been found in Egypt and in Iraq, among other places. This shows they traded with the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians, as well as other local people like the Hittites, who lived in Anatolia, now modern Turkey, and Syria from around 1700 to 1200 BC. A number of tombs have been found in Crete. Some of the tombs contained gold items, showing that they were the burial places of kings or other very important people. The Minoans were able to write. Archaeologists have discovered clay tablets with writing on them. The writing is not like the kind of writing we have today. There were a large number of symbols, more than 60, which represented syllables rather than letters. We call the script of the ancient Minoans Linear A. Linear A is very exciting, as it has not yet been deciphered. We've known about it for over 100 years, but nobody has ever been able to translate the stone tablets into English. This is partly because nobody is quite sure what language the Minoans spoke. After the earthquake, the palaces were rebuilt to designs very similar to the original ones. The palaces were built on three floors, and had rooms for the queen and rooms for the king, as well as trading areas. They were very open and light. The climate in Crete is very nice. It is hot most of the year round, and there were many outdoor walkways and corridors in the palaces open to the sun. There were, though, no fortifications or defences. It seems as if the Minoans didn't need to defend themselves against invaders. This is probably because the Minoans had command of the sea. They frequently traded with other civilizations, and they were excellent sailors. The myth of King Minos says that he had a great navy, and it seems there is a little truth in this myth. The palaces had plumbing and running water. This is some of the earliest plumbing known anywhere in the world. 
palaces also had windows which contained a primitive form of glass. It is clear that the Minoan civilization was quite advanced. If you go to the site of Knossos today, you will see what seems like part of a palace still standing. Unfortunately, this is not exactly the case. Sir Arthur Evans decided that tourists would like to see the palace as it was, so he started to rebuild it as he excavated. It seems that he made a reasonable job, but he also made some mistakes, so the palace probably doesn't look like it did in ancient times. These days, archaeologists don't rebuild, they examine and excavate. Only once they have got everything they can from a site is any reconstruction attempted. In the early 1900s, though, the science was young and Evans did as he pleased. The society on Crete was advanced enough for the development of entertainment. People do not spend time enjoying themselves away from work unless there is free time in which to do so. Free time only comes along when a civilization is well-developed and organised. The fact that the Minoans spent some of their time enjoying themselves just shows how advanced they were. Evidence from the excavations of the central courtyard of the Palace of Knossos shows us the Minoans enjoyed watching bull leaping. Bull leaping was a bit like bull fighting, except the bulls didn't get hurt. The participants performed a type of gymnastics on the bull, a bit like modern gymnasts do on a pommel horse. A pommel horse just sits there and does nothing while the gymnast performs on it. This is a little less dangerous than doing gymnastics on half a tonne of live, angry, snorting death. A bull leaper would stand ready for the bull to charge at them. When it charged, the gymnast waited until it was about to gore him with its horns and make a bloody mess of him. He then grabbed the horns and threw himself into the air, doing some somersaults over the bull and landing behind it. Very dangerous indeed. Most of the participants were young, as only young people were fit and agile enough to be able to bull leap without being badly hurt or killed. They were not all men. Young women also took part in bull leaping. It can safely be assumed that quite a lot of the bull leapers actually were killed or badly injured. When the palaces were destroyed by invaders around 1400 BC, they were not rebuilt in the same way. They collapsed into ruin and the ruins look a bit like a giant maze. It is thought the combination of bull leaping and the ruined palace at Knossos gave rise to the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur. The bull leapers were very young, just like the young boys and girls who were sacrificed to the Minotaur in the myth. The ruined palace looked like a labyrinth. The Minoan civilization collapsed sometime around 1400 BC. It wasn't destroyed by an earthquake or other natural disaster. It was invaded by people from mainland Greece. For 600 years the Minoans had not needed defences, but now they needed them. They did not have them, and Crete was conquered. The people who invaded Crete were called the Mycenaeans. The Mycenaeans came from the peninsula called the Peloponnese in mainland Greece. It is not certain whether they were originally from Greece or arrived there in 2300 BC or maybe later. By 1700 BC though, the Mycenaean civilization was present in Greece. The civilization contained a number of cities, many of which are present in the myths of the Greeks. We have already heard about Mycenae, Athens, Thebes, Pylos and Tiryns. It is the city of Mycenae that gives the civilization its modern name. Again, though, this is not what they called themselves. Again, 
We don't really know what they called themselves, although Homer called the Greeks Achaeans, and so maybe that's how they knew themselves. Like the Minoans, the Mycenaeans were known to the Egyptians and other local civilizations. Like the Minoans, the Mycenaean civilization was discovered and investigated by one man. Heinrich Schliemann was a German who loved Homer. He was determined to prove the Trojan War had actually happened, and to do that decided he needed to find Troy. He had been told by a man called Frank Calvert that Troy was located on land owned by his family in Hisalek, which is now in modern western Turkey. Schliemann needed somebody knowledgeable in Greek culture to help him in his work, and he went as far as advertising for a wife who could be an assistant. He succeeded and married Sophia, who came from Athens. She was able to read the Iliad in the original ancient Greek and translate for him. Schliemann investigated the site and very soon discovered what is now agreed to be the site of Troy. We will hear a little more about Troy and whether the Trojan War really happened in the next chapter. Having discovered Troy, Schliemann decided he now needed to find the place where the leader of the Greek forces at Troy had come from. He had to find Mycenae, home of Agamemnon. He travelled to the Greek mainland and, using only the writings of Homer as a guide, stumbled upon the ruins of the city. It wasn't that hard. He simply went to the modern village of Mycenae and asked the villagers where the ancient Mycenae was, and they pointed to some ruins. In 1876, Schliemann began an excavation of Mycenae. Amazingly, after only a few days, he discovered a circle of graves which were made up of very deep burial shafts. In these shafts, he discovered some bodies and some amazing treasure. Included in the treasure were burial masks made of pure gold. One of the burial masks was more ornate and decorated than the others, and Schliemann decided it must be the burial mask of the king. He wrote to the modern king of Greece with the message, I have gazed upon the face of Agamemnon. It was soon clear the graves were much too old to be those of Agamemnon and his men. The Trojan War is supposed to have taken place in the 1200s BC. The graves were shown, by examining the pottery, to be 400 years older than this. Schliemann failed to prove the Trojan War had actually happened, although he did discover Troy and Mycenae. We will look at whether or not it did happen in the next chapter. So, back to the Mycenaeans themselves. The graves that Schliemann discovered are probably those of the original kings of Mycenae who built the city around 1700 BC. Other items found in the graves give us some idea what life was actually like for these people. There were some bronze daggers decorated with scenes from life. Some show sea scenes and some show hunting scenes. There are depictions of men hunting lions and even being killed by lions. Nobody is too sure whether lions were native to Greece in ancient times or whether they were brought from somewhere else and hunted for sport. Mycenaean cities were built a few miles from the sea, so they couldn't easily be invaded from the sea. Each city consisted of a central citadel surrounded by farmland. Even in advanced civilizations like that of Mycenae, the food production needed to be somewhere near where people lived. There were baths, and the people were clean. They didn't have soap, though. They washed by covering themselves in olive oil and then scraping it off in the bath. The palace of Mycenae, like that at Canossus, is now just a ruin. Some of it has fallen into a ravine. 
It seems, though, that the Mycenaeans were more concerned about defence than the Minoans. The palace is built on an easily defendable hill. All of the Mycenaean palaces were very well defended, with heavy walls and fortifications. The palaces were more closed in and less airy than the Minoan ones, but were well decorated with wall paintings or frescoes. The Mycenaeans were more warlike than the Minoans. The leaders were more like warriors than the tradesmen of Crete. They had advanced weapons and chariots and were proficient sailors. The Mycenaeans conquered quite a lot of the local area around 1400 BC and they arrived on Crete. When they landed on the island they destroyed the Minoan civilization. After 1400 BC the civilization on Crete is clearly a Mycenaean one. The Minoans were gone. The Mycenaeans did conduct trade, though. Mycenaean items have been found as far away as Cyprus, Egypt, Mesopotamia, Italy, Germany and Wessex and Cornwall in England, and even in Ireland. There is a Mycenaean shipwreck discovered off the coast of Turkey, which demonstrates just how much trade they did. The cargo discovered on the wreck, which sank sometime around 1300 BC, is shown to come from seven different civilizations. Like the Minoans, the Mycenaeans were able to write. A written script, called Linear B by modern scholars, has been found on clay tablets on Crete and in Mycenaean territory. The script was not used to write stories and poetry though, it was primarily used to record trading. Unlike Linear A though, Linear B has been deciphered. It was decoded in the 1950s by a man called Michael Ventris, who was a codebreaker in the Second World War. One of the most exciting discoveries made about Linear B is that it was an early form of the Greek language. It is the first known usage of what we now know as Greek. It proved that the Mycenaeans were Greek people. Even more exciting though was the discovery of the gods worshipped by the Mycenaeans. The most important god seems to have been called Poseidon, already known as god of the sea and the earth shaker. Other gods mentioned included Zeus, Demeter, Artemis and Athena. It is clear the gods of the Greeks were being worshipped long before the time of the Trojan War. The Mycenaean civilization disappeared sometime around 1200 to 1100 BC. On both the Greek mainland and the island of Crete, the signs of an advanced civilization disappear around this time. There is no agreement on what caused the destruction of the Mycenaeans. Some suggest that it was a natural disaster and some say it was an invasion by a group of people called the Dorians. Some think the invasion was carried out by a people called the Sea People. We will have a little look at the possible reasons later in our story. However it happened, the civilization was gone. Writing was lost for over 400 years. It is not until the 700s BC that writing reappears in Greece. By the mid-700s BC, Homer was writing the Iliad. The years between the fall of Mycenae and the time of Homer are known as the Greek Dark Ages. We will hear a little more about them in chapter 29. In the next chapter though, we will look into the Trojan War and try to decide whether or not it actually happened. Please visit the website www.mythandhistory.podbean.com Contact me on email mythandhistory at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. Please also check out my new podcast, 
The Legend of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, which is available on iTunes and also at www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com. So, until next time, have a great week, and I'll speak to you soon. <laughs>